Welcome to the Northern Local School District Positivity Project podcast, where we focus on the 24 character strengths inside each of us and teaching the other people matter mindset to help make our communities a better place to live. like to welcome everyone to today's podcast. My name is Ed Wolfel. I'm your co-host today and I will be talking about perspective with David Kuhn. David's going to spend some time with us today sharing his experiences and life stories. This is a very unique opportunity for all of us to really listen and understand how important perspective is. I'd like to welcome David Kuhn to our podcast this morning. David, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing very well, Ed. Good morning. Good morning. I had the opportunity to meet David four years ago, and I feel like David is one of those great guests who can really talk about perspective. Perspective is the appreciation that people see things in different ways. You have the ability to understand the world from multiple points of view. So, David, could you give everyone that's listening a little bit of a background of who you are and all the great things that uh, you're able to accomplish on a regular basis? Sure. Sure. Uh, well, I'm uh, 65 years old. Uh, I'm a father of two daughters who are both nurses and a grandfather of four. Uh, I have one granddaughter who has cystic fibrosis and uh, I uh, live in uh, northern Illinois in a town called DeKalb. I used to live in Chicago and uh, in DeKalb now, which is about 65 miles directly west of there. Um, I lost my eyesight very slowly from an accident with a drunk driver that uh, happened in November of 1981. And I've had a lot of really great things happen to me as a direct result of losing my eyesight, including, uh, well, meeting you and uh, running marathons and uh, just um, in the past five years got into uh, triathlons. It took me two years to learn how to swim. Uh, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but... Um, now I just I thoroughly enjoy it, and uh, in fact, I've done a couple of Ironman uh, triathlons too. So, when you talk about learning to swim, you know, and you think about just the perspective I've got, you know, having coached swim team and enjoying a few triathlons myself, mm-hmm. I can't imagine trying to learn to swim and being in the pool and not knowing where the, when the wall is gonna, you know, for your turns. So yet alone swimming in an open body of water. I have a hard time with that from time to time. So how'd that process work for you? What did you have to go through to, to be able to swim in that open water environment, in a triathlon, in a, in a lake? Sure. Uh, well, it was uh, to learn how to swim was uh, much harder, actually, uh, to begin with. Uh, I, I used to swim when I was fully sighted, but I didn't keep up with it. And then when I lost my eyesight, I... Uh, Got to go to the school for the blind in Little Rock, Arkansas. One of my instructors, who was totally blind, uh, said one day that after work he was going over to the uh, University of uh, Arkansas's swimming pool and go for a swim. So I had to go see this myself because I, I didn't know the blind people could do that. And I actually thought it, he probably meant more like a you know, doggy paddle or breaststroke or something kind of easy. But uh, we got into our uh, lane side by side. I could see a little bit then. Um, very blurry. I couldn't see faces, but I could see body shapes and you know, see how tall somebody was. 
and uh, Gustavo, that's his name, he, he got in the lane next to me, and he just took off. And he was flying through the water. So then I realized, well, it could be done. So, and then I remembered, well, yeah, I could swim, so why not now? So I started swimming, and right away my hips just, they would not come up. And that was the hardest uh, problem for me, um, because I couldn't see well enough to see the surface of the water to automatically align myself with the surface of the water wasn't happening. And so, uh, you know, I would literally swim to the other side of the pool and hang on for dear life until I got enough uh, rest and got my breathing under the, under control and then swim back. And that's how I did it for two years, actually. Um, I had a lot of different great swimmers try to teach me, but nothing was working until I got into uh, a master's swim program. And uh, a friend of mine had talked me into that, and she's a really good swimmer, and she was trying to teach me, but her method of teaching was to criticize everything I did, so it wasn't exactly effective. And uh, there was a young guy who was leading that class who, uh, he was 21 years at the time, he has brittle bone disease and had broken 47 bones in his life up to that point. And he... Um, swam for his high school and uh, did that in order to keep his muscles as strong as he could, to keep his bones as strong as he possibly could, considering the disease he had. And he gave me, you know, he asked me to swim across the pool, which I did, and my friend Renee was right there to criticize everything, you know, my breathing, my stroke, everything, and just in case uh, Jake, that was the young man's name, missed anything. And then Jake uh, asked Renee to move a couple lanes over, and then he asked me to swim back, uh, which I did. Uh, he gave me one instruction, and so I swam back. And I, I was certain he was going to say, uh, you know, in order to be in this class, you um, need to learn how to swim first. But instead, he said, good job. And I looked at him. I said, you're kidding. I said, just like Renee said, I mean, I, I'm terrible. And he goes, I'm not wanting you to become Michael Phelps in one stroke, at one one lap, you know, one length. He said, it's going to take time. It's a little bit at a time. He said, I just want to see you understand what I'm saying. I want to see that you put the effort into it. And ever so slowly, you're going to, you're going to get this. And so he worked with me a little bit more. And uh, the next time I got in a pool, I swam six laps, nonstop, nobody there to uh, coach me through it. I did it on my own. And, you know, what he was teaching me worked extremely well. So it just took the right person who, uh, you know, is very encouraging. And it's just gotten, you know, swimming has gotten much, much more easy ever since then. As far as open water swimming, what I was told by a lot of fully sighted people who swim uh, in pools a lot is that when I got into open water, I would panic because I wouldn't be able to see the bottom. Well, I couldn't see it anyway. So... So uh, I got in uh, the water for my first uh, open water swim, which was a half Ironman distance. So that's 1.2 miles nice of open water. Nice to start small. Yeah, yeah. yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't usually think through things too well. I just decide I'm going to do something and figure it out along the way. And here again, I, I had the perfect person in my life, and that's really how I accomplish everything. It's just I, I'm just so blessed to have the right people at the right time. So we uh, walked, you know, the water was shallow for quite a ways out, and uh, so we walked it, and then finally was at the point we needed to start swimming, and the water was extremely choppy. 
So I swam about 50 yards and, and realized this is not working for me. And I stopped and told him, you know, exactly that. And he says, I know, but you, you've already swam a little bit. Swim a little more. And it, and uh, I did that again and stopped about eight or nine times. And every time we stopped, there were two female voices close to us that kept asking if we were okay. And I really didn't realize it was the same two women. And so I finally I told my guide, that, uh, not today, this is not a good day, let's turn around and go back. And very thankfully, he did not allow me to do that. Because if he did, I, I think back to that moment, and I think if I ever, if I did just that, I don't know if I would have ever gotten in the water again, in, in open water. But what he said is, why? And I told him, you know, exactly that it's, you know, 1.2 miles. I've never done that in open water, and it's choppy. I've never swam in choppy water before. This is not a good combination. And he says, well, if the water's calm, how about if we come out here and swim this course tomorrow, just you and me? And at that point, I'll do anything to get out of there. So I said, yes. And he said, well, here's the difference. He says, if we come out tomorrow and you get into trouble, he says, I'll do everything I can to save you, but I can't guarantee it. He says, you get into trouble right now. He's help doesn't come soon. It's immediate. He says, you have two lifeguards right next to you, one in a boat, one in the water. He says, this is the best possible training situation you could ever ask for. So all I could think of is, oh, I hate when younger people are smarter than me, which is most of the time. And so we just got underway, and uh, I wound up, I bumped into him, and he pushed me away from him, him which is his job. And by the way, we're... Uh, held together by a what's called a swimming tether or swim tether. It's a bungee cord material, and it's roughly uh, three feet of material between us. And it's either tied at the waist or at the upper thigh. At that time, I was uh, using it at the waist, which was not really the better way of doing it, as I learned later. So he pushed me away from him, and I made a real sharp correction away from him and realized what I had done and started laughing while I was swimming, realizing what I had done and missed the opportunity to take a breath while I was making my turn back to the left towards him, then realized I overcorrected again and now I'm swimming right at him and still was laughing about this and then straightened out to swim parallel to him. You know, you just have a feel for this is what happens. It's not, I, I couldn't see him. Well, in that time, uh, you know, I had missed two breathing opportunities. My lungs felt like they were on fire. So I thought, I have to roll way over and take a nice deep breath. And I did that once, and I thought I have to do this quite a few more times until my lungs feel better. By the time my lungs felt better, I realized this is how you handle choppy water. And so we, we just kept cruising. And at some point, someone grabbed my left arm and tugged on it, and I pulled it back on water, and they pulled it again and tugged it, you know, pushed it back on the water, kept swimming a few more strokes, and pulled it again, and they popped my head out, out of the water, and I said, what? And because I, I fell in love with it right then and there. And I felt my feet touch the bottom, and it was my guy, Kelly, and he said, we're done. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, I've been very blessed to, you know, at the right times have the right people there, and and so, uh, yeah, open water, I just, I totally love it. It's much more freeing for me than uh, swimming in a pool because, as you, you know, pointed out, that the, the walls are a problem. Uh, lane dividers are a problem. It's, you know, 
more often than that, I end up with my fingers scraped up pretty badly sometimes from uh, you know the lane dividers. Although I've gotten to where I swim much straighter than I did uh, you know a few years ago. For the walls, um, thanks be to Facebook and throwing it out there to my other blind and visually impaired friends. Uh, one uh, man who lives in the Northeast threw out a bunch of different ideas including using swimming noodles. And I was going through the list, and I kept thinking, no, that won't work, that won't work. And then he, when I read the noodles, same thing, that won't work. And I thought, wait a minute, why not? And so the way I do it now is that I use two noodles on either side of the pool, and I tie them to the lane dividers on each side, so one on the left, one on the right, about three feet from the walls. And so they act like French doors, so there's, uh, you know, a gap in between them, or, or they can even touch, but a little bit of a gap in between them. And then I do the same at the other end of the lane. So as I'm swimming, now I can focus on my stroke and not have to worry about hitting the walls because I'll come in contact with the noodles first, and then I do a touch-and-go turn. I can't do the flip turns because I can't see the bottom of the pool or the walls. And uh, that's how I do it. And it's, you know, I just keep meeting the right people. So when you talk a little about meeting the right people and this whole journey you've been on, uh, I think it was probably a month, month and a half ago, you had a, a Facebook post about your, I believe it was your, you were in a half Ironman, weren't you? Or was it an Ironman? Uh, for when uh, the lights went out? Yes. That yeah, was the Chicago Triathlon. It was a sprint distance. Okay. So mm-hmm. I read that, and at the time I thought, well, first of all, I mean, it was just such an inspiring post to read, but also it, it really perspective not from for you to go through that process, but also from someone who's who has vision to even think about it. And your reaction was not, you know, it just it took me back. So I really, I just thought that is a perfect example of, of perspective and being in the moment and recognizing what it is. So could you just kind of share that swim and that what little bit of what you went through? Because I think, like I said, that it was just, it was very inspiring. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Um, um, yes, yes, we, we um, uh, the sprint distance, first of all, um, it's a, everything is shorter. It's one of the shorter triathlons. Um, the swim is 750 yards, so that's, um, I think, less than a half a mile. I think it comes out to 0.4, something like that. So we, we started out, and we were in the um, group of swimmers that were people with uh, disabilities. So there were a number of other uh, blind and visually impaired uh, swimmers and their guides, along with people with uh, prosthetic legs or who were... Um, uh, with, uh, paraplegic, where they uh, have no use of their uh, legs at all. So that's the group I started in, and all of them are very inspiring for each other. Uh, it's you know, we look at each other and we see how things are done. It's it's you know we don't look at each other and think uh, anymore. Uh, you know that person can't do this or can't do that. We look at it and we say, well, okay, just teach me. How do you do this? It's it's it's, it's interesting. So my guide and I, we started out, and we started swimming, and uh, the water was extremely choppy. In fact, they wound up uh, uh, fishing uh, quite a few people out of the water, and some of them just, uh, you know, swam to the sides and just, you know, gave up because the water was that bad. 
And at one point then I got a, a mouthful of water and I kept swimming, you know, when you're swimming like that, you know, that's going to happen. Uh, but the water was kind of scratching the back of my throat, which, you know, that happens with water. It sounds funny that water should cause that, but it does. And I thought I just need to stick my head out of the water, stop for a minute and cough and get this feeling out. And when I stuck my head up, everything was completely black. When I'm in a completely darkened room, I don't see black. I see kind of a gray, it's, um, like a like a, like a rain cloud kind of a gray. So for everything to be completely black was a really different experience in itself. Uh, with my eyesight, I'm able to normally to see light. So when I'm swimming, I can usually you know see where the sun is at. In fact, I, I always have my guide point to where the sun is at, and if we have turns, then I know um, when the sun is a different position that we've made turns and so on and so forth. But in this particular moment, not only did I not see gray like I normally do uh, when I'm, there's no light, but this is total blackness. And for a few moments, or, or, I mean seconds, you know, it, there was this thought in me that I, I just felt like I was all alone that I was out in the middle of Lake Michigan, which is a huge lake, and that, uh, you know, the, the water was, I could feel it, you know, the waves just bouncing me up and down. The only thing I could really hear was the, were the waves slapping against me. And then, I, again, you know, the right people at the right time. Uh, another gentleman I know who is totally blind, Alberto, he was swimming this, and he has lost his eyesight quite a few years ago. So he has nothing. He doesn't even have light perception. So in this moment of where, you know, I might otherwise get a little panicky about the situation, I thought about Berto, and I thought, well, this is what he experiences. And then I thought back to Gustavo, the, the first blind man that I met that swam. He's totally blind, too. And I thought, this is what he experiences, too. So, okay, so I can do this. And then a peacefulness came over me. And, and as... Um, because, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of people like Alberto and some others who have gone totally blind and, you know, done so slowly, like I am. Uh, theirs was a little more rapid, but still, you know, it's a progressive loss. And they've all said the same thing, that there's a point at which when you, you finally lose all your eyesight, it's almost calming. Because you're not struggling anymore to see things, to make sense of the blurry images and... Uh, try to put things together that just never really come together right. And so I, I, I thought about Alberto, and, you know, he's out there, and, and he and I are, are, are great friends, and also we have a little bit of a fun rivalry going. So in a moment, I just completely calmed down. And then we started swimming again, but the chap just kept bothering me, and that's it, it, what it was doing was interrupting this peacefulness that I had experienced, and, and I wanted to keep that peacefulness going. And then, uh, you know, I asked my guy to get me to a boat uh, so that, uh, you know, I could just get away from the waves a moment and get refocused on swimming. And so we did, and then we got going again, and, he, you know, he was kind of urging me to, to get going so we could finish this thing. And then so I, my focus went back to getting into swimming to finish this, but then it would switch back to, I want to enjoy this peacefulness. And so 
That's how I finished this thing, being more and more frustrated by the waves that were interrupting this opportunity to just embrace, you know, this this new um, world I just stepped into. And we eventually did finish it. And um, there are metal stairs when you come out of the water there at Monroe, Monroe Harbor in Chicago. And as I came up to the top of those stairs, then, you know, I looked around and I could see. Um, so I hadn't really lost my sight. But what happened was that it was an extremely overcast day. And with my eyesight blocking out a little bit of sunlight like that, apparently meant that it blacked out all the light. So when I, what I could see then was the, uh, you know, sunlight off on the horizon where, you know, the the clouds no longer covered them up. And I, I literally wanted to tell my guide, you know, uh, you know, I'd rather actually run back to the start and do this all over again. I, I just want to experience that. Uh, you know, forget the rest of the triathlon. That wasn't important to me anymore. I just wanted to get into that peacefulness and just enjoy the inevitable because it's going to happen. I don't have that much sight left. But, you know, I realized... Um, well, we're, you know, there's just not enough time to get back there. So we got on the bike and we got going. And at first, uh, ride out, uh, because it's an out and back, I, I just kept thinking about that. Uh, and so uh, we, when we made the turn to come back, then I really got into the bike. And I, I love cycling. And uh, I just, I, you know, I'm just all about speed on the bike. And we wound up blasting past another tandem team that uh, they're usually pretty fast. And I was real surprised when my guide says, told me that, um, you know, they're maybe, I don't know, 100 yards ahead of us. And, and the next thing, it just seemed like just seconds we were going past them. So then we got on the run, and my guide was explaining to me, you know, the people were cheering me on, and he, he, and he was joking around saying, no, they're really cheering for me. And I really heard none of it. I just kept thinking back to that swim and that peacefulness and, and uh, just wanting to someday get back to that. Um, that's that's it. What happened with me there? And I did actually. Um, I wound up. Um, my wife uh, took um, uh, duct tape, black duct tape, and blacked out my goggles. Which, by the way, in triathlons for people who are low vision, uh, when they're swimming competitively, they have to swim with black blacked out goggles anyway. I don't swim competitively. I swim for the fun of it. Uh, you know, you just have friendly, you know, uh, bets and, and that. So, so in the pool, I did that, and it, and it was it was extremely peaceful. Not to try to make sense of the overhead lights, and you know, to tell me where I'm at and where I'm not. Um, I could just focus on just how great the water felt, and just see my body just reaching and pulling and rocking through the water. And then a friend of mine who is in that same uh, organization called Dare to Try. That's when they did the Chicago Triathlon. Uh, that's the organization that uh, puts us all together and uh, you know supports us in many ways. One of the men who uh, he has guided many blind athletes in, in a lot of events. He drove all the way from the northern suburbs up to Chicago to my home, which probably I, I didn't ask him, but it's probably pretty close to two hours. Picked me up at 4 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, and we drove to Lake Michigan to swim at the Ohio Street Beach. 
and to get there just as there was enough light for him to see. And then actually there are lights around that particular beach anyway. He said he could see just fine. And uh, we got in the water and uh, swam, and uh, it was just it was total relaxation. Just, you know, my focus was just not feeling the water and feeling my body moving through it. So that's it. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Uh, like I said, you know, when we talk about perspective and, and wanting people, our students here, to understand the different points of view in life, uh, again, I thought the perfect example was everything that you're able to accomplish. And I think about, you know, my, myself when you get out there and, and swim or do anything else, and then keeping in mind that there are individuals like yourself who are very successful with what they do despite or in spite of, I guess, anything that could be considered a setback. And so I just, that's why I wanted, I appreciate you sharing your your story of what you've been able to accomplish and, and giving that different point of view. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, is there anything else you want to just share as far as perspective or anything else you think that, that's relevant to the conversation? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you, know, you know, I keep, keep mentioning these people, people that just keep, keep coming up in my life. life. And, and the two, two things, things I, 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 I kind of think about, about and, and that is two parts of this, is that they come along when I've decided on a goal. So it's not like, you know, they just magically appear Usually, you know, like I decide today I'm going to do something and boom, they're there. It usually, it's, it's almost to me, it feels like, you know, the universe says that once I've decided on a goal, the universe will put the right people in my life, and, but the, the universe has to rearrange schedules so that we do eventually meet. So sometimes it's a matter of just keeping with the goal and dealing with the frustration, like learning to swim. Two years, it, you know, took two years of just never giving up, feeling like I wanted to, feeling defeated most of the time, but just sticking to it. And then the guy comes along, you know, that uh, Jake, to teach me how to swim. And, and just so many people, it just seems like, you know, it, if I get frustrated because I want it to happen now and I give up, then the universe will give up too. So as long as I'm focused on a goal and I keep pushing forward and, you know, doing everything I can on my end, the universe just lines people. So it's about being patient and being focused. That's a very good way uh, to explain that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So, You're um, again, I'd like to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. I really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners will enjoy hearing about your perspective on, on your accomplishments and hopefully – give them some motivation and inspiration to think that through the next time they, they come across an obstacle. Yes, I hope so too. I really hope everyone enjoyed today's podcast on Perspective with David Kuhn. In addition to perspective, David shared the character strength of humility. He neither brags nor boasts about his accomplishments, and he has many of them. In addition to training for Ironmans and marathons, David is actively involved in preparing for a Christmas play, and has dance rehearsal on a weekly basis. David's accomplishments are all possible because of perspective, whether it's his ability to understand something from a different point of view or someone who wants to help him and say, hey, we can do it this way. Perspective is important for all of us to find success and help one another. We hope you will join us next week as the Thornville staff talks about teamwork.